Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. We got fresh frozen <laughs> strawberry margaritas, and Terry's bringing us chips and salsa all night long. Nick's hips do not lie. <laughs> yeah, I got a MF wagon. Like, <laughs> let's be real. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. You can find them wherever your podcasts are downloaded or sold. With me, as always, is Ray Knight. Yeah, Johnny, I think this is going to be a great episode. I do. They're going to talk baseball, Johnny. And the baseball is the reason they talk and what they talk about. I think that's important to talk about baseball. And if you're a baseball podcast, you're going to end up talking lots of baseball. Well, that's awesome. Thank you very much, Johnny and Ray. Bob Carpenter with you here. And now, let's start the show. Hello, everybody. It is that time again. Welcome to the latest episode of Half Street High Heat. Thank you, as always, for joining us. We appreciate all of you very much. I am Amanda, and I'm joined, as always, by my procacious co-hosts, Nick and Ryan. Uh, make sure you check us out on Twitter, and you can find the show there at Half Street High Heat. You can find us online at the website at halfstreethighheat.com, and you can find us on YouTube at The Rundown with Half Street High Heat. How are you guys doing? Procacious. So pro is obviously four. Cacious being DH. So yes, we are procacious because we are pro DH. <laughs> this one means forward, cheeky, or provocative in attitude or tone. Do you say cheeky because I have an MF wagon? <laughs> That's not the kind of cheeky I was talking about, but if the wagon fits, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Well, the wagon doesn't fit anywhere. That's my problem. Yeah, it's a common problem. <laughs> yep, I've been uh, eating a, a few too much, a few too, a little too much bread lately. I've got those jeans where I'm like, man, these these jeans shrunk. I don't know what happened. Yeah, 
It's not cool. But it's like that lifelong, I just have to, I have one pair of jeans I love to pieces, but sometimes they're too small and sometimes they fit. I, I can't figure out how they grow and shrink like that, but. It's almost like you have a, a rivalry with those jeans. It's almost like it, almost. <laughs> well, how was your weekend? Anything exciting? I set you up perfectly. I set you up perfectly. Look at our quick pitch segment. Ah, I wasn't looking at the pod doc yet. I was just chitty chatting. Oh my god! So you did set me up perfectly. I apologize. Rivalry. What a great way to segue into our quick pitch segment, Nick. Thank you. What do you think is the best rivalry in baseball? It's simple. It is. It's it's Padres Dodgers. Like if you say anything else, you're just like Major League Baseball, and you're stuck ten years in the past. This weekend was the perfect example of it it's so fun the fans were a hundred percent into it the entire time the team was handing out noisemakers they're chanting beat la la the entire time kershaw hosmer all these dudes who don't get animated were getting animated the entire time you have the normal guys like bauer and tatis who are always going to play with emotion bauer was banging his chest walking off the field after he struck someone out of the third inning bauer irritates me by absolutely love how much emotion he plays with always love that and it was, it was literally, it was baseball at its finest. It was by far and away the best team in baseball. And that young up and coming team saying, we're here to play also. Like Mookie losing his, uh, yeah, Mookie losing his mind after he dove had the game winning catch. It was just fun. And like the fans absolutely hate each other. The players clearly don't like each other. The players were saying this was playoff baseball in early April. You don't see this in baseball in early April. And yet, all three of these games were fantastic to watch, and it's the best rivalry in baseball. Yeah, hard to argue against that, especially with the weekend series. But, <clears throat> I mean, I, I guess it's a cop-out answer, but Yankees-Red Sox is always going to be one Hasn't worth been watching. Good in years. I, I understand. I guess it's a little bit... Um, it's kind of cliched at this Yeah, cliche might be a better word just because ESPN... It's an all-time great, so, but it's not the same. Yeah, ESPN is so Yankees heavy, obviously, with A-Rod on it. And then, you know, they kind of just talk Yankees about no matter who's playing on Sunday Night and Baseball. A-Rod is awful on the broadcast. He was good at first, but then, yeah, he's quickly – no one has, like, ups and downs like A-Rod. And <laughs> dude is just the king of the roller coaster. And whatever he does. Right, yeah. right. Um I, I still like that one. That one's always one too. And just because the fans really get into it and not to say the, the Padres and Dodgers didn't, but that one's still new and fresh. And obviously the Padres have a lot of hype. Uh, whereas this one, you know, like Ryan said, it's a classic, it's established and it's always going to be a thing. So it's just, it's like, you know, to cross over to a different sport, like UNC Duke, like that's always going to get people's attention in bat in college basketball. Uh, Red Sox Yankees is always going to get people's attention in baseball. Yeah, I think that's a good answer. I do agree with you, though, Ryan. Right now, if I mean, you look at classic rivalries, that's different. But right now, it's hard to argue against the Dodgers-Padres. That was so much fun to watch this weekend. Um, it was. It really did have – it didn't feel like beginning of the season, ho-hum, everybody's, you know, settling in for the season baseball at all. Those are awesome games. I love that they're going to play each other so many more times this season. And if they face each other in the postseason, it is going to be phenomenal. I would also accept 
Cardinals Reds just because they always have about bad two to blood. Three, yeah, they have like two to three fist fights every mm-hmm. single year, and it's absolutely amazing. But <laughs> they do not like each other. <laughs> I I need them. To, I need them to play each other in the playoffs in the full crowd. Padres Dodgers. It's going to be so much fun. That would be a lot of fun. I also it's, think Astros Dodgers would be fun. Yeah, if it got that far, it sucks that. Yeah. I mean, the Dodgers are probably going to be the one seed in the NL. And that sucks because that means the most we would get would be a five game series of Padres Dodgers because obviously the Padres would be the wild card team. Uh, I really need a seven game series. <laughs> I need all the possible games uh, there could be yeah. between those two teams. And it's so much fun when you don't have a dog in that fight either to just enjoy it for, you know, being a baseball fan and enjoy great baseball. I imagine it's extremely stressful if you are a Padres or Dodgers fan. <laughs> Those kinds of series are such heartbreakers when they don't go your way. But when you're just watching as a, a not a fan of either team, I absolutely love that kind of thing. So I have a feeling they are on a collision course for October. Yep. I hope All right. so. Uh, let's move. Yeah. Let's move on and have our weekend review. Ryan. Yes. Let us roll we are in the thick of things as we check in around the league on the biggest stories the new york yankees hold sole possession of the worst record in the american league for the first time since the year 1968 the dodgers are 13 and 3 and are off to the best start for a defending world series champion in mlb history and they're on a cool 130 win pace that came down a whole 10 games after they lost on sunday Dodgers Padres played a fantastic three-game series while also proving, as we just discussed, this is the new school best rivalry in baseball. MLB has seen record high streaming numbers. MLB TV is off to its best start in its 20-year history. Also, coincidentally, they just struck a deal with T-Mobile, making it a lot more accessible to more people. Who would have thunk? The five Astro players who are on the COVID protocol are returning, and on the opposite of that, three Phillies players and two coaches are now on the COVID list as well. Royals reached nine wins, which marks their best start in 10 years. Javi Baez turned down a $180 million extension in the offseason, and with his horrible play so far, he may not get $100 million. To the NL East, in fifth place are the five and nine Nationals. They are a hot mess right now. We'll get to them in a second. In fourth place are the seven and nine Braves, and the injuries are piling up as they have Acuna, Enciarte, Albies, Fried, Martin, Soroka, Martin, Pache, Smiley, and Newcomb all on the IL or day today. They have a quick two-game series against the Yankees and then three games against the Diamondbacks after that. In third place are the 7-8 Marlins. They dropped 2-3 against the Giants and now have the toilet bowl facing the Orioles. In second place are the 8-7 Phillies. They took 2-3 against the Cardinals with Aaron Nall tossing a complete game shutout last night. Or two nights ago, excuse me. They host the Giants and Gabe Kapler makes his return to Citizens Bank where he got booed heavily. In first place are the 7 and more. Seven and four Mets. When they play, they win. They had the most games suspended out of everyone in baseball. And DeGrom went six innings and struck out 14 with nine straight strikeouts. He did that in Coors Field. He would have been on a 20K watch in Coors Field if it wasn't for the double header. Up next for the Mets are the Cubs. This has been your week in review brought to you in part by your local neighborhood chilies. Stop on in for a delicious $5 straw Eddie Marg of the month and also do your part. 
COVID vaccines are now open to all adults across the country. Help us finally beat COVID and reach herd immunity. Sign up today. Get your shot. Get your shot and help curb COVID. I would like to, um, I think this is a good, good point to address this. So earlier today on Twitter, I uh, changed my profile picture because I'm, I'm Nationals Ace on Twitter. Give me a follow. Um, I changed my profile picture to Joe Ross because uh-huh. he was or is was the Nationals Ace. And then he proceeded to go out there and give up 10 runs in four and a third inning. So um, I would just like to apologize. I, I accept 41% of the blame for the Joe Ross outing. Uh, I'm still going to put the majority of the blame on the Nats because that's what I do. But I, I acknowledge that I probably put a little too much pressure on Joe Ross and I should have just let him do his thing and stand him. But it's just a bump in the road. And as we all know, bumpy roads lead to beautiful places. So just wanted to address that. Well said. Did you think of that yourself? I did. I just came up with it right on the spot. <laughs> it's beautiful. Love it. And another thing that's beautiful is the Yankees having the worst record in the AL. That makes me so happy. I'm just, I loathe the Yankees. And I don't even know why. I have no real, uh, you know, so if you play them very often, it's not like, yeah, it's just, I don't know. I just, I don't like the Yankees and seeing them struggle makes me happy. So. There is that. Um, But speaking of things that uh, don't make me happy, let's move on and talk about the Nats. Um, Our Nats bet segment this evening will start with talking about all the injuries on our favorite baseball club, um, which has many problems aside from injuries. But let's start there. Uh, Luis Avilan tore his UCL, and it was announced today that he's opted to have Tommy John surgery. So he's out for the remainder of this year. You know, presumably we'll see him next year if he manages to come back. So uh, just, what do you just, think of that? Our, our just once... go through all the injuries and let Nick uh, Nick talk. Yeah, I was going to say I was going to save the, the majority of my thoughts for after these three. OK, I'll go through the list then. Um, OK, Strauss to the 10 day 10 day IL with shoulder inflammation. And I did see someone point out on Twitter that if you look at his injury, he's, I think Matt, Matt Weirich, um actually posted a list of all of his IL stints throughout his career. Mm-hmm. And there have been two others where he went on the IL with shoulder inflammation and the very next month was on, a, had a major injury and, <laughs> and went on the IL for a much longer period of time. So let's hope we break that trend. One um, thing about Strauss that I wish we talked about last time after his first start, by the way, when he came off the mound, he was wincing in pain. And then his second start, he was only throwing 90 miles an hour, and that was the whole shoulder thing. So, like, I feel like this has been bothering him all year, but we'll get there in a second. Okay. Wander Suero also to the IL um, with the, uh, I think it's the injury is called pitching in every goddamn game in the whole season. So I'm not sure exactly what's bothering him, but I think he it was is also now on the IL. Wasn't an oblique. Anyway, um, so he's gone for now, and uh, let's talk about Davies' role in pitcher usage that is, I think, contributing mightily to all of these injuries we're seeing early in the year. Yeah, so this is where I'll chime in. Um, And I'm going to preface this, and Ryan helped me out with this because he, you know, pointed me to an article where this was brought up before, and I think most fans who have followed this team – since Davey Martinez took over, have 
known, it's well documented, he doesn't handle pitchers very well. And we've seen it. I mean, there was literally a Wander Suero watch through these first two weeks of the game of, oh, there's a baseball game being played today, so Wander Suero is pitching. And, you know, if we go back to the straw start last Tuesday, excuse me, or Monday, whenever it was, everyone and their mother could see he was not right. He was throwing 90 miles an hour, but even worse, he was walking guys. And, you know, I, I know that seems like a minor thing, but with people, with players like Max and Strauss, if they're walking guys, that that's a huge red flag. They don't have command, and those two guys ha- are known for their command. They Their K to 9 or um, strikeout to walk ratio is always insane. So the fact that he was walking guys and obviously the decreased velocity was a huge red flag, and Davey left him in. And then Luis Avilon he felt pain what last Tuesday and Davey pitched him again on Thursday. And now he needs Tommy John and Davey After he even, threw 38 pitches. Right. And Davey even came out and said, he feels horrible, horrible about it. And I'm, I'm not saying like he, he doesn't and he has no remorse, but he's clearly right there admitting that he messed up. And it's just, I'm so frustrated because this has, like I said, been well-documented. This goes back to 2018 when he first took over. That was three years ago, and he still doesn't know how to, how to manage his guys. How do you pitch Wander Swearer every day to the point that he, he goes on the disabled list? That's not how relievers work. How do you, Are you so out of touch with your pitchers that you're literally driving them into the ground? There's obviously, like, give your guys a rest, honestly. It's so And even if they say they're ready every day, they're not. They're, they're not. They're telling you what they want to hear. And that's actually, it's a great point you brought up, Amanda, because that's actually in the article by the Washington Post. Look it up. It's from 2018. Maybe we'll tweet it out. You have guys like Sammy Solis, Ryan Madsen. Um, there was another guy, I'm forgetting that was in there, all complaining about their usage. And it's not even just about their usage, like in games. Davey is well known he is notorious for warming guys up and not pitching them oh t- oh god what was the guy's name it's not tyler miller just brandon kinsler was uh, brandon kinsler was well. it but justin miller was uh, another one where justin miller was in his short stint with the nets he he would warm up to let's say it's a six inning he would warm up in the six the pitcher would get out of the six but miller wouldn't pitch a seventh it would be a new guy but that warm up that justin miller you know, had in the sixth inning still counts as a day of usage because that's how relievers work. They, they have to heat up quickly. They're not like relievers where they take, if, you know, Max gets up for, for 10 pitches, it's really nothing because his routine is a long drawn out process before he's ready to pitch. That's why we see, you know, starting pitchers on, on their days, get to the ballpark hours and hours and hours before they, you know, uh, uh, before the first pitch is. Yeah. So it, it's just frustrating that it's been three years and we've seen some growth from Davey, but the most glaring issue that we uh, you know, saw back in 2018 is very clearly still there. And I'm not saying he's directly responsible because there's no you know, concrete evidence that points to that, but he definitely had a hand in it. There's it's not no, like he went out and tore Luis Avilon's UCL himself. Right. Like but. Luis Avilon <laughs> like, might have had that injury regardless. But you have to have a better pulse on your staff and your bullpen to be a big league manager. If this continues, 
he can't manage. You have to believe the same thing happened to Sean Doolittle. Think back to how much Sean Doolittle was pitching. And now his all of a sudden his velocity's velocity's back up six miles an hour. That doesn't happen. Davey Martinez cannot yeah. manage a bullpen. It it's not the pitching coach, apparently. It's Davey. And he got carried by three guys, Max, Strauss, and Corbin, and even some some older guys like Gio and uh Annabelle who have, you know, they know their bodies so well that they can do their own thing, where Davey didn't have to manage them. They do their own thing, and Davey didn't have to touch him, and he got carried by them. And this glaring, you know, weakness in Davey's management, uh, you know, wasn't exposed until now, again, I guess. Although last year was, yeah. Well, last year it, it was hard to, like, peg any one thing just because of the shortened season and COVID and no spring training. But now that we're somewhat back to – a normal, you know, season and how it's being played and pregame and whatnot, it's very, very clear. So this needs to change as soon as possible, or as we are in big trouble because, again, he's not directly responsible for it, but he's not doing anyone any favors if he drives <laughs> them into the ground. I mean, this, it's a running joke with Davey. Anytime someone shows a flash of potential, he, he pitches them for 10 days straight. It's literally a running joke at this point. Yeah, and, and then you look at the other end of it. The Nats starting rotation has the worst ERA in the, in the entire um, Major League Baseball, not just National League, all of baseball. They have a 5-3 ERA. In the last week, we've seen their starters give up 8 runs, 10 runs, 10 runs. We've seen position players pitch twice in the last week. That shouldn't happen in one week, especially when you have a team that is full of supposedly great pitchers they're off to a terrible start and so i don't know if it's coming from above davy that's making you know these people have such long leashes as they do because when corbin gave up 10 runs it was obvious after the first inning he didn't have it he should have came out then but he left men he left joe ross in too late today again when strauss was hurt pitching gave up eight runs he left him in too long then so i don't know if there's something coming from above him that's saying let these guys keep going or if there's a thing with him when he's realizing his pitchers may not get him four innings and he's trying to get as many innings as he possibly can because that's extremely taxing on the bullpen then you also add the fact that he's only throwing the same people every single night it's not a good recipe right like you can't have all your starting pitchers keep struggling every single night not name max struggling every single night and only going four innings maybe trying to push for a five but you're pushing at five you're going to give up 10 runs that's not a winning recipe and that's also how you completely destroy a bullpen as well and we're kind of seeing that right now there's eight guys in there he shouldn't call the same names every single day he's kind of done that his entire time there's eight guys in there but i feel like davy in the back of his mind is kind of has a little ptsd from the absolute atrocious bullpens he inherited when he came here this bullpen is better than that but if the starting rotation doesn't figure this out and doesn't start going deeper into games we're going to have a lot of these IL trips for our relievers because this is going to be a hell of a lot of work on them, and it's going to be very taxing on them, and they may not be able to keep up with the workload that's going to be coming their way. It just—it also drives me crazy. One point I forgot to mention, with Strauss, have a little foresight. 
It is April. It is the second week. Why are you pitching him more than he needs to go if he clearly does not have it and something is clearly wrong? There's videos and pictures of him rubbing his shoulder, rubbing his neck in the tunnel, and Davey still sends him out there. Not only do you need this guy for the, the long haul of this season, you have in you have an enormous, enormous amount, amount of, of money, money tied up that, in that And I, I get it. That's not Davey's <laughs> issue. He's just he, – he works with the guys he's got. But, again – have a little foresight that this guy is kind of important to your the thing, the success this year and long-term. Like, I don't, I don't care about these. Oh, Strauss is mentally weak. Like he's not tough. Everything you have $275 million invested in this guy, baby, the living hell out of him. Yeah, it's exactly. like, what's it year two? Yeah. Baby the hell out of this man. If he wakes up and he's a little sneezy, he's like, Hey man, I'm a little tired. Pull him early. I don't care. His arm is way too valuable for the future of this franchise with the money I've tied up in. Baby that man. I love Strauss. Put that man in bubble wrap. Have an IV attached to him every single day. He's not pitching. You can't have anything happen to him. Yep. Agreed. Well, that shit may have sailed, unfortunately. Um, speaking of potential overuse, uh, there's a lot of rumors that maybe they're going to go to a four-man rotation leading up to, I think it was May 7th or 8th, before they really need to have five starters yeah. again. They've got some off days built in here. So it, again, seems like then you're maybe relying too much on a starting pitching staff that so far, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> overuse isn't the issue with them. But um, yeah, so far they just don't have it. I mean, you got a great, amazing start from Max the other day. But other than That's that, all it is. haven't been a lot of bright spots. Fetty was pretty good in that last outing. And yeah, he, Ross he up was. until tonight had been, you know, had a zero ERA coming into this game tonight. So maybe with, with Joe, you, you chalk this one up to, Hey, he didn't have it tonight and see what happens next time. Well, but yeah, Strauss and Corbin is super concerning. Baseball always turns to gravitate towards the mean, the mean, excuse me. Ross overperformed in both his, his first two outings he was also going against a Cardinals team he literally just saw. They very clearly picked up on something he did last time, and they were just teeing off on him. That happens. He's not the pitcher who's going to throw five or six shutout innings every time. This was a huge overcorrection from that. He will be better the next time. But, like, he's your five. If he goes out and he has a high four ERA, that's completely acceptable. He's your five. That's fine. With the four-man rotation, the off days they have coming up, um, I believe they have four in the next couple of weeks, so no one's really going to be going on short rest. You also look at the fact that they don't exactly have pitching depth and the people in the minors aren't really MLB ready. I think this is their only option. Um, Lester, we still don't really know much about. He's throwing in sim games, but we don't really know when he's going to be big league ready or ready to return back to game action. So I think until he does, you know, with the lack of depth, depth they have, the four-man rotation is the best call. So I'm actually on the flip side of that. I don't like the four-man rotation for this stretch. I understand it works logistically due to the off days because, like you said, Ryan, we have four in the next two weeks. So, you know, in theory, people could go on regular rest. There's two problems with that. After the, that two-week stretch, we played 19 games in 20 days. And secondly, aside from Max, no one is pitching deep into games. So you're still using your bullpen a lot. And Davey said if they moved to a four-man rotation, there would be a bullpen day in you know one or two uh, games over that two weeks. So 
that part doesn't work out logistically when you don't have pitchers pitching deep in games. And I get, understand, you know, four man rotation, you might not want that, but it, it just doesn't work. And heading into a stretch like that against the teams we're playing in that stretch, you don't want to set yourself up for failure. Think long term. I understand the, the pitching that might not be great. And I, don't necessarily love the move, but it's better than a four-man rotation in my mind. Go get Annabelle Sanchez. He he knows the pitching staff. He knows Jan Gomes. He can slot yep. right in. He eats innings. It is what it is. And then you you figure it out when you get back. You move Fetty to the bullpen in that long role he was supposed to be in, and you go from there. Or I, I understand not that this is the most ideal situation either. You move Austin Voth back to a, a starter. Like, there, those are two options to me that are better for this team's long-term success or whatever than moving to a four-man rotation. I get it works logistically, and if we were healthy and we had our pitchers performing well, then maybe it's one thing. But I, I just don't like the idea right now, even though it works logistically. But also, Ryan, great call on Joe Ross facing the Cardinals twice because – that that was an overcorrection. They clearly studied film and, and got something on him. The same thing happened to Zach Wheeler. Uh, he dominated the Braves uh, the second game of the season and then absolutely got lit up by them because his second time um, up in the, in the season was against the Braves, and they teed off him as well. So it's not uncommon yeah, for this to happen. Yeah, he's tipping so, pitches like, or something. They figured out. That's a great call by you. He's not Jacob DeGrom. Like, he's a young guy he's not going to mix it up that much. So like they clearly just picked up on something. Yeah. Well, and I, I don't love the idea of the four man rotation, especially since none of the pitchers we have right now are going deep into games. Max excluded I mean, seven is a great outing, but I think six, seven is probably what we're going to see from him. Mostly since it's so early in the season, I don't think they want to get his pitch counts up into that like 120 range that they often let him go to. And again, just given his age, I don't think they ought to be letting him, get that high on pitch counts anyway, but I just, I do would love to see them go get Anibal Sanchez. I know that that's not an ideal situation, but given the fact that we have very little starting pitching depth and very few options, I think having a, a, a veteran player who has already been on this team and knows the staff. And like you said, Nick could slot right in would be a no brainer. I'm actually surprised. I said to my husband a couple of days ago, I bet he's a, and that again within 24 hours, and here we are two or three days after that, and he's not yet. So I don't know why. I did read somewhere that he maybe had like a blister after that showcase he did the other day or something. So maybe it has something to do with that. But they've got to they've got to get another arm. I think that's the only thing that makes sense. You're not going to get through this stretch very easily with the way the staff's performing and with Strauss. I know he's only on the 10 day DL, but I won't be surprised if that stretch is a little bit longer than that. Yeah. Right. It, and I, I think mean, it was retroactive you're not, you're not to the 15th. Some, right. You're not going to put someone on the 10 day DL or sorry, IL um, because the only, or you're not going to put someone on the 60 day IL, excuse me, because then they have to serve right. 60 games. Obviously the, the Nets are hoping the, uh, the Strasburg injury doesn't last anywhere near that long. So obviously 10 day IL, but I, don't, I keep on wanting to say DL. Um, but I know I've it, never gotten used to saying IL. It still very well could be, you know, 30 days, 45 days, not 10 days. So yeah, it, I, uh, it's impossible I to tell. am preparing myself mentally for it to be longer. Just 
given what we saw, I don't think, I don't think 10 days, that's six days from now when he would be eligible to come off. And I don't see that being realistic, but no, I would love to all. be wrong. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's move on a little bit and talk about Bell. Um, concerned. Where are we? Oh. How are we feeling with Bell? He had a couple of nice, it was it two doubles tonight? I didn't get to watch the entire he game. Went, he went one for five tonight, but we're, we're making progress. So mm-hmm. on the year, he's slashing 120, 207, 200. That's rather ugly. Mm. Um, the thing with Josh Bell is he's known as Tinkerbell for a reason. Yep. He is always messing with his swing. He has a lot of parts to his swing, and it's all about timing. As we saw in spring training, all of those parts were grooving together, and it was beautiful. He was, I think his OPS was over 1,200 in spring training. You know, COVID mm-hmm. happens. He's out for two weeks. He's only hitting off of wiffle balls in a, in a VR. His timing's not there. As we saw tonight, He's slowly getting there, but with how long his swing is and how many steps he is, if you watch his bat and his hand movement before the pitch, he times where his bat is based on the pitcher's delivery. If he's late on that, he's not touching it. Like, it's it's that simple. If you just watch where his bat is when the pitcher starts his windup, that will let you know how bad this whiff is going to be. There's a lot of moving parts. It's going to take time with him. It's been one week. It's been a very frustrating one week, especially when the rest of the team is kind of struggling and you really need him to start excelling because he's helping Juan, he's helping Trey, he's helping the entire team, and they're not playing very well. So it makes it frustrating. But the good news was he had a 111 mile per hour double, and he also had a 105 and 103 mile per hour line out. So you're like, well, you know, th- those are still outs. The man just wasn't making contact for a while. The fact that he's starting to make hard contact is showing signs that his swing is getting there. And I think he started taking BP at like 3 o'clock today, which is Mm. he's working on it. He's going to keep messing with his swing. We're just going to have to fight through it. It's going to be ugly, but just going to have to let him go. Yeah, Ryan hit it on the head. He, you know, we knew after the trade happened – he was called Tinkerbell even in Pittsburgh. He always is messing with the swing, and a lot of guys are, but I think because Josh Bell is so streaky, he tends to do so and mess with the swing more often because obviously if it's not working, something's wrong, and you need to fix it. you got to tinker with it so that way it gets right. So definitely a uh, good showing tonight, and we'll we'll take hard contact over no contact, even if it results uh, both result in and out. Uh, but this is ultimately my problem. I use the term problem loosely because it was a huge upgrade over last year's lineup. But the problem with adding someone like Bell and Schwarber, they're exactly the same. And Schwarber hit, hit a walk-off, and power is something we greatly lacked last year. And so it's nice to have this year, but they're one and the same. They're not going to hit for a high average or high contact. They're going to hit for power. They're going to hit the ball hard when they make contact, but how often are they going to make contact? This lineup would be crazy lengthened if, you know, we got a a contact guy to slot in somewhere in the lineup and kind of bridge that gap from the top half to the bottom half or where it would be, or an OBP guy similar to honestly, like a, a Starlin Castro, what he's been doing lately, um, you know, in that l- lower third of the lineup or lower half of the lineup. But instead we have Bell and Schorber 
so much so that Davies batting Bell like fourth, third or fourth, and Schrober down like sixth or seventh because it's almost again using a term loosely a liability to have them back to back if they're both off. So mm-hmm. you know, hopefully we we won't have to talk about it too much, and they both get their swing right, and Bell's making contact and is constantly on base, and Schrober can just hit for power like he he's known to do, but. You know, it, it's definitely something to to keep an eye on the rest of the season. Yeah, I, I looked up Josh Bell's um, stats, and he's hitting one forty three the B the BABIP. So he's uh, making a lot of hard contact. Yeah, the BABIP. I don't know how you're supposed to say that one, but um, that he's making a lot of hard contact. At least he's starting to, but he's just and not only just him, but the rest of the team too. A lot of balls hit right at people. A lot what was, of really what was hard his hit balls up again? right at people. So 143. So that's for those of you who don't know, that's uncharacteristically low. Very low. Yeah. Batting so, average, you know, takes into effect strikeouts and BABIP is just your average of balls in place. So normally it's higher than your batting average. So usually it's not uncommon to see BABIPs in the in the 300, possibly in, in the 400, depending on who the hitter is. So 143 is crazy low. Yeah, it's crazy low. And that to me is, it's pretty instructive about what's going on with him right now. He is starting to make contact with the ball, but he's had some bad luck on balls in play right. being hit right at people. So if those start falling in a little bit, then, you know, this looks very different. So hopefully he gets that timing together and he can, you know, hit it to where people aren't, get some of those out of the park. But definitely a little concerning, but I, I feel like he's starting to round into form. He so, also didn't, On my list of concerns, he's not at the top. Yeah, <laughs> not even close. Uh, he also didn't get the start everyone else did. He, he was stuck at home, not even being able to watch his own team play because of blackouts. So he, he's mm-hmm. you know, still trying to get into his rhythm, similar to you know how Juan Soto took a little bit to get into his rhythm and whatnot. So he'll get there. Yes, indeed. All right. And uh, we're going to get to the second half of the show right after we get a word from our sponsor. Yep. Heaters, this show and every show is brought to you in part by Manscaped. Today, I will highlight the crop care kit. I know our heaters, they live an active lifestyle and the crop care kit includes premium formulations for below the waist hygiene of the modern man, control odor, fight bacteria with the cruelty-free and vegan ingredients found in this luxurious hygiene bundle. You get the Crop Preserver, which is an anti-chafing ball deodorant with cooling aloe vera. Stay cool down there. You get the Crop Reviver, which you refresh on the go with the, the ball toner refresher. You get the Crop Mop Ball Wipes, which you said exactly what it sounds like. Wipe away sweat and protect your uh, undercarriage there. And you even get body wash if you really want to level up your routine and as a free gift they get you get the uh, foot duster which is a nice little foot deodorant i never noticed how sweaty my feet get until i started using the foot duster it's actually quite nice you can get this whole kit a 61 dollar value for 40 dollars and 20 percent off of that which is quick math 32 dollars and free shipping using our promo code hshh20 like I said, 20% off and free shipping. Buy the Crop Care Kit. Check out some of the other stuff they have to offer. But, man, the the, the formula stuff they, that they have in this kit is next level. 
I love it. It it is a game changer, and I I do mean that. So please go check it out and go check out Manscaped. Use our promo code HSHH20. Absolutely. And uh, you forgot to mention that people should also, while they're online shopping, go check out our Tee Public shop. Get yourself some Half Street High Heat merch, especially since people are starting to trickle back into the ballpark these days. Make sure you uh, represent your favorite podcast while you're there you know i actually ordered some of that foot stuff for my son my 17 year old whose feet are just hideously stinky all the time and i like that (laughs) stuff a lot smells fantastic it does it's very uh you know it has a nice scent to it nice scent all right let's get sense (laughs) we're gonna play we're, we're gonna play a game uh, I, I, oh, I went from game. scent to sense. I see what you did there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, Amanda's kid, if you're listening to this, wash your feet, by the way. Um, second of all, know, let's right play a game. From your lips to God's ears. <laughs> Tell him to do it. So it's called the Concern-O-Meter or Concern-O-Rama. I am going to read six statements about current statuses slash storylines plaguing teams. You're going to respond with your conf- your concern factor for them or what the con- team's concern should be. So if you aren't that concerned about it, give it a one. If you are very concerned about it, we give it a five. Are there any questions? Good. There will be no questions. Um, <laughs> so we'll get started. <clears throat> Our first statement on the concern, oh, Rama, the Yankees are five and ten. They're in sole possession of the worst record in the American League. How concerned should the Yankees be? Hmm. I would give that a three. I'll give that a three. I think they should be concerned. It's definitely not the start that anyone expected. They have been hyped up massively in the offseason. And uh, they need to right the ship. But I think it's too early to get too concerned. Man, um, I think for any team, well, I won't say any team. For most teams, it would be a three. For a team like the Yankees, it should be a four. You have so much money invested into this team that a slow start isn't really an option. Kind of similar to how the Nats are. They're not, not as big of a market, obviously, but they have so much money and they view themselves as a contender that a slow start is not acceptable. You have to play to the level. And granted, you know, the Nats have plenty of injuries to account for their slow start. But a team like the Yankees, they haven't won since 2009. And they haven't even made to the World Series since then. So there's a lot of pressure on that team to do well. So I'm going to give it a four. I think they need to turn it around and turn it out quick, especially when you look at how good the Red Sox are doing. The rival. Yeah, so if you take out. I think that's a fair assessment. If you take Garrett Cole out of the starting rotation, yep. they have an ERA above six. So moving on in our concern, oh, Rama, our next stop is the Atlanta Braves. And I ask you this, how concerned should the Atlanta Braves be about staying afloat with all of these injuries slash their slow start? I'll say a three. Um I would want to go higher if it's if it was the Nats, I would definitely go higher. Um, I think the Mets 
I mean, small sample size, I guess, because it seems like they only play two games a week. Uh, it seems like they're doing better than typical LOL Mets, but you might still be able to bank on some LOL Mets thing happening later on in the season. But regardless, it's still a team you have to overcome. And the NL East, while banged up as it may be, is not an easy division. So the fact that the Braves have injuries, you don't want to dig yourself into a hole and try to you know overcome that later in the season in the dog days of summer. Plus, no expanded playoffs this year. You can, for the most part, guarantee that the Padres are going to lock up at least one wild card spot. So it's very quickly, you know, playoff spots filling up. So I'm going to say a three. I think they need to get it together, but I also think they will get it together once they start getting some guys back. I think that is a three is a pretty good number. I'm going to give it a three and a half just because one of the injuries is Acuna. Um, you know, maybe that's a small thing. They're calling him day to day, but anything abdominal always concerns me because that can just be such a lingering injury. And even if it's not something that stops him from playing, if it, if it makes him stiff or he doesn't have his swing quite right, or he can't make that, you know, one outstanding play he normally would have made on defense, like that stuff adds up over the course of a season. And those just can be those kind of nagging injuries. So Mm -hmm. if he comes back and he's all good and, you know, Firing on all cylinders again, I'll drop my concern level. But for right now, I'm going to give them a three and a half. I like it. Moving on in the concern Orama, we are heading to Slam Diego. After all their offseason moves, they're sitting at just 10 and 7 and lost two of three to the Dodgers. They do not appear to be on the same stage as the Dodgers. Should they be concerned about how this weekend went this one's a one for me i don't think yeah this one's a one i I have no concern (laughs) they're gonna make the playoffs if by yeah some way they could beat the dodgers in the division which i don't think they can then you know the dodgers would have the other wild card and if the dodgers win the division which is what i expect then they're gonna get the other wild card so they're in the playoffs regardless and i don't think anybody expects they're really going to beat the dodgers this year um if it comes to a playoff showdown but I'm not concerned for San Diego at all. The Dodgers are just, if you lose to the Dodgers, you can't really be too upset. Like if the Nats got swept by the Diamondbacks, I'm calling for everyone's heads. But if they got swept by the Dodgers, which they did, mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not too up in arms about it. And the, the Padres should feel the same. Obviously, the Dodgers are in their division, and that's the team they need to beat to really establish themselves as being here now, like, this is Slam Diego, the NL runs through us type deal. But they're still a new team. They have so many additions this offseason. It's going to take a while for them to mesh together. And as we've seen with, you know, the Nats and plenty of other runs, uh, you know, into the postseason and some even winning titles, it's all about getting hot at the right time. So the fact that, you know, Tatis came back from injury and, um, you know, they, they have a lot of guys that they didn't have last year in the rotation and in the bullpen and whatnot. They just need to mesh and they need to click. And as long as they're staying afloat through this early stretch where te- a lot of teams are trying to figure it out, they'll be fine. I'm not worried about them at all. All right. I agree. 
we're moving along and we're staying out west. This time we're just going to air Arizona. Madison Bumgarner so far has allowed 22 hits, 8 walks, over 13.2 innings for 17 earned runs. He did pitch against the Washington Nationals, but how concerned should the Arizona Diamondbacks be about his disastrous start to the season? Mm, four. This one is concerning. I mean, obviously, the Nats made him look like old school Bumgarner the other day, but um, he's definitely having a really awful start. I don't know that he's going to get it back together. It's always hard with older pitchers because anytime they start to struggle, it could be like, okay, this is the beginning of the decline, the inevitable decline, or it could just be, hey, they're having a rough stretch. They're going to get it back together. So I find I feel the same way about Max. Anytime he struggles, I'm like, oh, no, is this the end? And then he has a start like his last one, and you go, okay, well, he's still got it. So it's hard to say, but I definitely think the concern should be high here for Arizona. So I'm going four. Fun fact, Madison Bumgarner is only 31 years old. Is that, how can that be true? He's been around forever. He made, his he, major league, early. he made his major league debut in 2009. He was only 19 years old. God, it seems like he, he – I like, feel like he has to be 35 or 36, but that's crazy. So the thing with Madison Bumgarner, everyone obviously knows how insanely dominant he was in the in the postseason for in the early half of the decade for the Giants. No one's taking that away from him. The thing with him though is he was never the best pitcher in the league. He was never Clayton Kershaw, Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander. He was never that status. He was just someone you didn't want to face in the postseason, and that's fine. We're not taking that away from him. But he's always just been a solid pitcher. He's never had below a 2.74 ERA, which is really good. Don't get me wrong. And he's never had above a 3.9 ERA, which is still solid. And that came in 2019, his last year with the Giants. Like he's been very solid throughout his entire career. So, yeah, there there is some cause for concern with the rough start. And Amanda is onto something. Like you know, once you get past 30, things start changing. Your body doesn't heal as quickly and you know you need to start your routine sooner so maybe he's just trying to figure that out Can't and confirm. uh and uh you know he's had some injuries and some some wild injuries and he's uh what was that thing his uh code name is mason saunders and he's doing rodeos or something so maybe he has extracurriculars that he's focused on but i'll give it a i'll give it a three just because of the money they have invested in him it, it's hard to envision the, the Diamondbacks getting um, what they paid for out of Madison Bumgarner. Yeah, I think that's a safe bet. I, I don't think they're going to – I don't think when it's all said and done, they're going to feel like they got the value they wanted out of that contract. But You got any East Coast concern uh, around this for us? Greed. Well – we're heading to the Midwest, even though it's not real. For our <laughs> we're last, working our way, working our way. This is working our, our last concerno Rama, so we are making a final pit stop in Chicago at six and nine. The Chicago Cubs are struggling. They outburst for thirteen runs against Atlanta, but they've only scored fifty-five runs in fifteen games of teams that have played fifteen games. That's the least in baseball, and we already know about their hit struggles. This is probably the last year of their core. How concerned should the Cubs be about their horrible start offensively? I, I'm I'm going all in. I'm I'm saying five on this because this has been coming ever since their World Series title. 
they've regressed every single year. Um, well, I mean, 2017, what, they lost? Or no, they won in 2016. All right, so 2017, 2018, there's a slight bump. But then from 2018 on, they won 95 games in 2018, 84 in 2019. And obviously 2020 was a shortened season, but their winning percentage was still down. So it's like, you know, there there's a clear regression going on, and they haven't made anywhere close to a run in any of the, those years that they did make the playoffs since their uh, um, World Series win. I'm at a five. They've already semi, you know, started to change with, you know, some players leaving. I've seen Joe Madden's gone, and yeah, insert uh, David Ross, who was part of that team, but. It's not the same. Theo Epstein's gone. Insert I, Jed Hoyer. Is that his name? But anyways, um, it, it's a different era in Chicago. And they might, you know, overpay Anthony Rizzo to get him to stay because he was, he's been the face of that franchise for so long. I don't blame them. Chris Bryant's gone. I mean, Jason Hayward, I don't know how much time is left on his contract. I'd imagine he, he's gone sooner rather than later. So... You, they shipped out you Darvish in the offseason. Lester's gone. Um, you know, Kyle Hendricks is getting Schwarber's shelled. shorber has gone. You know, Javi Baez is an impending free agent. That, this team is going to look a lot different. And I, if I were them, and if you've listened to this podcast for a while, it's the same thing I, I told the Nats. They, they're going to need to sell some of these pieces to recoup some assets before these players just walk in free agency especially if they're not in contention by, you know, the trade deadline, which it seems like that's where they're heading. So I'm at a full five. Yeah, I'm actually not, and not because I don't think that that there's problems there. It's just that I didn't have any expectations that they were going to do anything or make the playoffs this year. So for me, I guess I'm at about a two because I don't, I don't think they need to panic. There's, there's nothing really that they're, they're playing for. They have a, a minus 23 run differential right now. Um, you're just talking about how few runs they've been scoring, Brian. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that they know they're not going. They're not doing anything this year. They've already started selling off the the pieces of the team that you know help them to a World Series, and they're going to continue to do that this offseason. I think Chris Bryant's gone at the trade deadline, hopefully to Washington. <laughs> Foreshadow my answer to one of our Twitter questions. Um, so I don't know. I'm not that concerned because I don't think there's anything to be concerned about. They're not a contender. So they're in the middle of a retooling. And I think their fan base just hasn't come to terms with that yet. Well, it, right. it's a tough pill to swallow. So <laughs> yeah, we're struggling with that as well. It is. It has been. When, when it's the Nats, I'm going to be bitching and moaning like crazy. Well, they're there right now. This has been your first ever concern. Oh, Rama. <sighs> <sighs> And the crowd goes wild. Yes. I know what you were doing there. All right. Speaking of Twitter questions, that's our next segment. Um, Our first one comes from pal of the show at one lovely lady C who says, if you could make one move to improve the team, what would it be? Money, not an issue. I did this in MLB, the show you trade for Eugenio Suarez. It's that simple. I I traded a Starlin Castro key boom and one other prospect for him. Dude hits tanks. You have him for the next five years. You're set at third. Plug him in the middle of the lineup. Thank me later. Boom. I mean. What's his contract? How much does he cost? Doesn't matter. Um, He's making like $10 million over the next five years. 10 mil over the next five years. Wow. Is that true? 
Holy moly. Yeah, I mean, that was going to be my answer. It's hard to pick anything else. I, I mean, I would be happy with Chris Bryant. I would be happy with any other solid third baseman. I would be ecstatic with Matt Chapman if that's the route they wanted to go. Um, and they do have a rapport there with the A's, all the trades they've made over the years. It, it's got to be a for a right-handed power bat. It, no matter what, I understand they don't want to give up Rutledge or uh, Cavalli, but if the trade is that good, you got to do it. You need a right-handed power bat. Obviously, if you're giving up someone of that stature of, of a prospect, they're going to be controllable, but you desperately need a power bat in this lineup, one that isn't to the uh, um, characteristics of, of Bell and Schorber, someone who makes contact more often. So whether it's Suarez or Bryant or Chapman or someone else, that's what they really, really need. Yeah, that's, we're going to be super boring here because, as I was just saying, I want them to trade for a third baseman. I want them to get somebody to lock up that position. It's a black hole right now. You've got to get, you've got to get that position taken care of where it's not just a one-year thing or you've got a stopgap option and you're, you're sticking a Band-Aid on a socking chest wound. Like You need to take care of that in a way that, that puts it to bed for a while. And there are a lot of good options out there. I think if they're in contention as we approach the trade deadline, they've got to go out and get somebody to hit behind Soto. And we've had this conversation so many times, but it's just the only answer. You have to get protection for Soto in the lineup. And right now he still doesn't have it. How different does this lineup look if they have to pitch to Soto? Like it it changes everything. It changes everything. You have to go get somebody. And I hope they don't wait for the trade deadline. I hope they try to make something happen sooner. I think the Cubs are going to within a month are going to be far enough out of contention, probably that they're going to be open for trades. And I think they should go. I'd be happy as hell with Suarez and Chapman as well. But I think Chris Bryan is, would be a fantastic addition to this. He's probably the most likely to get moved. I agree. So handsome also. Yeah. I wouldn't mind staring at him. It's hard to argue with that. Those are the baby blue eyes. That was baby blue. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's hard to look right at him. I would also accept uh, Whit Merrifield as an answer. You, yeah, you, you are a stand for Whit Merrifield. Well, he's not like the ideal solution for this lineup, but he's exactly why we were entertaining someone like DJ LeMahieu. He gets on an insane <laughs> clip and he can set the table. Like imagine him hitting behind Trey. Yeah, it drops Soto down one, but you're probably going to have two guys on when Soto comes up and they're probably going to have to pitch to Soto because they can't afford a third guy on base. So it sort of works in the same regard uh, in that. So I would love uh, Whit Merrifield as well. Yeah, I could see it. That could work. Okay. Our next one is from at DC golf guy, the recipient of our recent giveaway. Um, He says, what's one realistic trade option you would do right now to try and bring a spark to this team? We kind of just covered that. (laughs) Realistic Chris Bryant. I think so, because I think that the Cubs, like I just said, if they're out of contention early in the season, then maybe you can get Bryant early enough in the year to make a difference. If they if, if the Nats dig themselves a huge hole and are not looking for somebody till the trade deadline, it might not be enough to make a difference. I'd love to see them go take care of this as early in the season as possible. Oh, man. I'm trying to think of a team. I would say... I'm like desperately trying to think of an exact guy to give you an answer. If not, you know, someone like Chris Bryant, who I do think will get traded. 
I would say for a pitcher and probably someone a little bit older, not too old. I mean, this team's already uh, approaching AARP age as it is. <laughs> uh, but someone, you know, hungry who hasn't, you know, won a game. Similar to kind of like how when the Doolittle trade happened, how that kind of sparked a little bit within the team. And obviously he was here for years after that. I think uh, someone being added to this staff that's already formidable when healthy um, would be a good spark to this team and hopefully, you know, to the lineup as well, saying, hey, we need to get our act together so we can back up our guys that are on the mound. Um, I, I've seen that happen plenty of times uh, where a guy comes over and changes scenery in a playoff hunt and he pitches well and kind of inspires some good play from the team. So that would be my answer, even though I can't think of an exact guy. Yeah, that year when we got we met what, Madsen and Kinsler and Doolittle all pretty much right then. Yeah. At the same time, it did definitely make a huge difference. So, yeah, yeah I mean, definitely they could use more pitching. But I if if I want if they could only make one trade, I would much rather have that bat. All right, let's stay with the trade theme. Our next question is from at B underscore Randone. And it is B Randon. Randon. Okay. Every time this guy asks a question, she butchers his ass. I know. I never so can sorry, get it B. right. Sorry, B Randon. Butchers it. I was close that time. That was better. Randon. Do you think Max could get dealt at the trade deadline? And if so, what could be a potential return? Can you tell the mood of the fan base right now that every single question has been about trading. <laughs> I know, right? This is a pulse um, of the Nats fan base right now. And it ain't pretty. So if Nats were out of it, according to ownership, God only knows what that would have to be. And if Max were to be traded in some hypothetical, he would be a rental. So you're probably looking at a top 20 prospect in the system and then some other minor death pieces you're looking at probably getting four guys you're taking quantity over quality Mm -hmm. um he is great but he's 36 in a rental that does hurt its value now ownership voided a bryce harper trade when he was in the contract year and max scherzer means a little bit more to this franchise than bryce harper did i know absolutely love bryce harper but it's max Max is never going anywhere. The Nats could be 0 162. He could have 162 ERA, and he's still going to get traded. It's Max. Like he's, they're never going to do anything to get rid of him. Yeah, I, uh, I don't agree. They're I, never letting that guy out of this organization. I don't remember who said it. I don't know if it was best friend of the pod, Matt Wyrick, who told us, or if I just read it on Twitter. But the Nats are not going to let Max sign with another team without at least being a part of that conversation. That being, you know, bringing him back and re-signing him. So uh, effectively, he's like a a restricted free agent. If another team gives him a contract, the Nats are going to have X amount of hours to match that contract, and Max will probably re-sign with the Nats. Uh, It's hard to imagine him going elsewhere. He already won a ring, so he doesn't really have anything else to to prove unless he wants to pull Rendon and just live where he or other people vacation or whatever. Um, But to answer the question... I think they really need to consider it depending on where they're at in June, July. I just don't see it happening. Um, they're, they're not going to let that guy go. And, and I, you know, I've seen enough of our guys leave that I wouldn't hate if uh, Max was the guy they kept all the way through. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to see him go, even if it would make sense to say, Hey, we can get, you know, like you just said, Ryan, a little bit of quantity over quality. And we certainly could use, you know, some quantity in this 
pretty woeful farm system, but I just, I wouldn't want to let a guy like Max go and finish his career in another uniform for some depth pieces. Do you know what I mean? Even if it would make sense if you were doing like a cold calculation on it, like this guy means too much to the team. He means too much to the fans. He's going to be the first nationals hall of famer. Like you just got to keep this guy. Yep. All right. Next question is from at Shani the third, who says, do Strauss and Corbin's injury and potential injury slash pitching issues leave open the possibility they try and resign Max? Um, They would would do it anyways. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think they should resign Max. I think they should let him go after this year, but I can very well see this front office giving the man a hundred million dollars and be being very, very angry about it. I don't think it'll be anything like that. I think they're, I think they're going to try to resign him and hopefully successfully, but I hope at a much more reasonable rate that something commensurate with his current value. I mean, obviously the last years of his contract are you know going to be maybe something the last years, but he really hasn't been awful. I mean, even, if you had told me at the beginning of the seven-year deal that he would still be pitching the way he is right now in the last year of his contract, I would have taken that all day. So I can't complain about the contract they signed. I think there's an argument to be made. It's one of the best free agent signings in certainly in franchise history, maybe in all of baseball. He's been absolutely terrific. So if they can get him back and let him finish his career here at a reasonable price, I think it's a no-brainer. I think uh, we could see Max take something similar to a qualifying offer. So like a one year, $18 million deal with a second year club option for like $20 million or something like that. I think, you know, obviously Max is the only one who knows how long he wants to pitch. It seems like he can pitch until he's 45, but when you're this old, you know, and you're not going to get many, you know, three, four year deals, it's probably, better for him to go year by year. And I can see the Nats firmly being in on that conversation. Yep. Okay. Next one is from at Nats post who says, how many pitchers will Davey burn this week? The limit does not exist. Well, he's You're, already overusing the limits. He's already was, overusing Aaron Perez. <laughs> I was going to say he are, he already started hot by leaving Joe Ross in too long. So, you mm-hmm. know, and who else pitched today? I saw Finnegan was in who didn't pitch today. Yeah. What's the problem with the starters going into such short starts? Like you're burning the bullpen every damn night. So, yeah. Well, I no would matter say how good Fetty he pitches, a, he can't pitch more than five innings. It's it's true. But, it's, you know, from your fourth, fifth starter, if you can get five good innings out of him, that's fine. Like but that's if it. your one through four starters can pitch deep into games and spare your bullpen. It doesn't help when your starters are getting lit up. And, you know, only going yeah. two, three innings and you have to use your bullpen every damn day. And then you have guys going on the IL because they're being overused. Yeah, well, that's all true. So I guess the answer to the question is, does anybody get burned this week? What does burn mean? Go to the IL? <laughs> I don't know, maybe one. But if you mean burn as in just overuse, I'm going to go with half the bullpen probably. Bet you Tannerini's next. Seems like a guy David yeah. would overuse. Oh, he just needs to get right. He needs to pitch more. Yeah, right. That's not how relievers work, sir. Yeah, right. Get real. Get real. All right. We have another one from at B underscore Randon. This one's good. Would you trade Soto for Acuna and Albies? Yes. Now yes. I'm thinking twice. Yes. This is the easiest question I've ever seen in my life for a couple of reasons. One. Um, Contract. 
oh god yeah the contract for both of them is extremely team friendly you're getting a perennial all-star in ronald Acuna for very cheap you're also getting probably going to be a couple of time more all-star in ozzy albies to play second base ronald can also play a premium position in center field rather well that makes that contract even more of a steal and also consider the fact that ronald Acuna is a better overall player than juan soto yes i would do this 10 times out 10 times because it saves you about 400 million dollars also yeah this one pains me in my soul because i love juan soto but juan soto is not signed a long-term contract and Acuna has i mean that's it you, i mean albies is obviously a huge extra bonus as well but I honestly think if you just told me straight up Soto for Acuna, I'd be tempted to do it because of Acuna's contract situation. So, yeah, this one would hurt, but I would do it. Would you guys trade Max Scherzer for Jacob deGrom? Oh, my God. That was the worst. (laughs) They meant so well, but the fact that they only had one vote. I would pack his bags for him as much as I love him. I I would trade everyone not named Trey Turner for deGrom. We're literally seeing one of the best, like, pitching peaks of all time. It's absurd what he's doing. How does his... (laughs) Velocity keep going up. It's absurd. I cannot figure Everyone it out. Everyone hits a peak at a different age. Ever since he cut his hair, he's been godlike. Yeah, it's crazy. So stupid. All right. Next one, last one for tonight is at Von4DPOY. Va- at Can you make OPT sing on the next episode? I feel like there's a backstory here we need to yeah. know. Right. Like, yeah, I'm confused say. by this. Does he sing? Does OPT sing? (laughs) Does isn't this is this the same guy who said uh, doesn't he smell like flowers or something? Um, different one. Oh, so this Uh, guy is a OPT stalker, or is this two different people? I guess so. When you're at OPT status, uh, you know you you get some crazy fans. DC Natchek knows a thing or two about that. Yeah, it does happen. It does happen. Well, um, yeah, I don't know if he sings. I've never. I've never heard him sing, so I guess we'd have to ask OPT. Yeah. We'll make a point of that. All right, you guys got anything else before we get out of here? Nah, I'm good. I'll gladly sing. <laughs> yeah, you will. <laughs> what will you sing for us, Ryan? What's love got to do? Oh, that's do. a good one. That's a good one. Nah, nah. Those only words I know. Oh, well, it was short but good. All right, one more thing before we leave. I want to shout out um, at Yim Studio on Twitter. I bought some of his artwork, which I've been admiring from afar for a very Fantastic. long time. I got, it's awesome, isn't it? So if you guys haven't seen it yet, I got myself one of those too. So all three of us now have one of the, his sets of all six of his superhero prints for the mats, and they are so freaking cool. So make sure you check out his stuff. And uh, he's got an Etsy shop where you can order things. So check it out. All right. Anything from you guys before we wrap up? No. Um, tomorrow, well, today that you're listening to us is the most important day in franchise history. Oh. The Washington, the Washington Nationals are five and nine. We're recording this on four nineteen. That means tomorrow's date is April twentieth. The Washington Nationals have a chance to make history. They're five and nine. They need to win. That's all that's all I'm leaving it at. Okay. I feel like I'm missing something, but cool. It'll be six nine on four twenty. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. I see. So we're all hoping for that for our own reasons. 
Red light. Um, I think that's it for us. <laughs> Thank you guys, as always, for checking out the podcast. We really appreciate you listening. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and please do feel free to leave us reviews. We really appreciate it. Um, also check us out on Twitter at Half Street High Heat for the show and at HalfStreetHighHeat.com online for the website and at YouTube at The Rundown with Half Street High Heat. And go to Tee Public and check out the merch there as well. Have a great night, guys. Talk to you in a couple days. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator who has the cause has passed the wall to see you later. Let's go, Nats. We've got a game to play. We're gonna win today. Let's go. By the early light of dawn, well you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are and bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look Cause we're putting curly W's in every book Let's go Nats We've got a game to play, we're gonna win today Let's go A 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.